Welcome to the Midlife Crisis Odyssey podcast, Episode 2, Evacuation, Ukraine. It was a sunny winter's morning in southern Ukraine as we drove through the city streets. There were six of us in the van, my colleague Alexei, two of his friends and another couple of helpers, bumping over potholed roads and lurching around downed power lines. We were on our way to pick up a senior citizen who needed to be evacuated by train. A blacked out city under constant bombardment is no place to be for an 80 or possibly 90 something year old lady particularly one bedridden with a broken leg. We stopped on the way to see a block of apartments that had been hit by a rocket the previous night. The area in front of the building was covered in broken glass, twisted metal and pieces of masonry. Holes had been blown clean through the walls and in other areas, it looked as though the building had been skinned, leaving just the bare steel and timber skeleton behind. A group of men were working by hand and with power tools to secure the structure as best they could. We moved on towards the river, pulling up in a small side street. Explosions regularly rumbled, boomed and whumped from somewhere in the city district. The two blokes in charge of the evacuation headed down a drive that serviced several properties and into the last house in the row. Three people were waiting, two of the evacuees' daughters and her son-in-law and after establishing that it was the correct address, the van was carefully backed down the drive. The lady, I don't know her name, but I'll call her Ina, was in a small flat built above a single-storey residence. The design and construction of her tiny place wouldn't get council approval in many countries, possibly including Ukraine. Access was via a steep set of narrow timber steps, which, after a tight corner, led into a very narrow room which held a small kitchen. Another corner and we were in Ina's bedroom, which was only just wide enough for the bed. Under her knitted beanie she looked anxious and overwhelmed, which was quite understandable. There were four strangers in body armour in her tiny bedroom and she was about to be carried out and whisked away from her home and family on a train. Ina was dressed for her trip and had a splint on her leg. We discussed the best way to carry Ina out and decided on a frameless, poly-canvas stretcher, essentially a rectangle of fabric with soft handles attached around the edges. We left a traditional canvas stretcher with frame and timber handles at the bottom of the stairs. Back upstairs, we gently lifted Ina in the sheet she was lying on and spread the canvas stretcher out beneath her. After lowering her, we took two handles each and raised her back up again. It was a tight squeeze to reach the end of her bedroom and we were anxious about knocking Ina as we staggered along sideways. She grasped the edges of the stretcher and one of the blokes reassured her saying, It's okay Grandma, it's okay. After negotiating the corner, we moved sideways down the narrow room and squeezed out the door. I paused to gather ourselves, then we began the careful descent of the timber stairs. Going downwards meant tipping Ina from the horizontal, and the poor lady began to moan in fright with each outward breath. More reassuring words, and we were at the bottom of the stairs, where we carefully placed Ina onto the framed stretcher, 
a timber handle each and we soon had her in the back of the van. A lack of vehicles of just about every type is a constant problem for both the armed forces of Ukraine and those carrying out humanitarian work. Transport that can be sourced is rarely purpose-built, but rather adapted where possible for the job at hand. Our vehicle had no locking mechanisms for a stretcher that you would find in an ambulance, so a spare wheel laid flat helped to keep Ina's stretcher in place. One of Ina's daughters, who was going to accompany her on the train, climbed into the back of the van. She asked Alexei where we were from. He told her the name of his hometown and that I was from Australia. The daughter said to her mother, Did you hear that, Mama? One of the men is from Australia. She moved through the van from where she was sitting and gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. God bless you. God bless you. After about 15 minutes, we arrived at the city's main railway station. We stretched Ina through the entry doors, then into a secure area in which police were interviewing each traveller and photographing their passports. After leaving our documents with the police, we were permitted to take Ina to the train. We carried her out a door and along a walkway, over a crossing between two carriages, and down a long platform next to which her train was waiting. After finding Ina's carriage, we switched back to the soft canvas stretcher to lift her up the impossibly narrow and steep steps onto the train. It was another tight squeeze through the carriage's hallways, but we managed to get Ina safely to a bunk inside her sleeper cabin. The whole experience had been pretty stressful for Ina, and she looked relieved to be finally in a solid bed again. I took her hand and said, Dobobachinya, goodbye. Her face softened and she smiled and said, Spasiba, thank you. Her daughter thanked us again and gave us more big hugs. Leaving the train, we gathered up the framed stretcher and made our way back to the station building to retrieve our passports. One of the blokes explained to me that they did this type of work every day, helping to evacuate those people who need more care than the shattered city can provide. Statistics counting the number of civilians injured, killed or forced to leave their homes because of the war reduce stories such as Ina's to lists of facts and figures. But Ina, like everyone affected by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, is a human being. She is an old lady who loves and is loved. She has led a long life and instead of living her days in the warmth and care of her tiny home, close to functioning medical services, she is on a 12-hour train trip to somewhere safer, but still not safe. To another city where generators, donated medical aid, committed health professionals and volunteers keep hospitals running. Why should Ina be forced to leave her home, family, community and city? The answer is, of course, that she shouldn't. Like the suffering brought upon millions of other Ukrainians, it is a callous, cruel and despicable crime. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, waste some more of your time at midlifecrisisodyssey.com where you'll find more podcasts, 
and posts about travel and existential crisis. And be sure to hit the subscribe button.